Welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and what a great, great, great show we have for you tonight. In about 15 minutes, 15 minutes from now, we're going to have the Rays uh, Fox Sports studio host, Rich Hollenberg, joining us live. That's right, Rich Hollenberg of the Tampa Bay Rays, joining us live. Um, joining us live in about 15 minutes, so we want you all to enjoy this show. We're going to talk a lot about a lot of different things today. The NBA started back up. We're going to talk about uh, the NFL a little bit, uh, also about Tom Brady. So if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, you're probably going to want to hear this. And, of course, we got Rich Hollenberg, and we'll be talking some Tampa Bay Rays. Let me, tell me I'm not fired up. For the Rays coming back, baby. Oh, baby, this is awesome, man. Awesome. And we got Rich Hollenberg. Whoa. So let's get started off right now. The NFL Players Association today came out today and said they are 80% sure that they're going to have a season. If you want to look at that on the negative side of things, which we don't like to do here, that would be there's a 20% chance there won't be a season. But everything is looking good, and, you know, it's getting real concerning. And before we get into this, um, I want to remind you all that are joining, I see the numbers going up immensely right now. Please do me a favor. Take one second. It only takes one second. And please share this show on your timelines so that your friends who are not currently members of Frankly Speaking Sports, will also have the opportunity to join us as well and listen to the great Rich Hollenberg 15 minutes from now. So go ahead, do that, share it to your timeline. want to also remind you that after the interview tonight, we put up a phone number there. It's our hotline phone number. You can call us in directly and speak about the Tampa Bay Rays after the Rich Hollenberg interview. This is awesome. We can talk Rays baseball. The number is on the screen, just in case you don't see it. It's 479-553-7008. Remember, we only have one line coming in. So please, if somebody calls in, wait till the person gets off the phone, then call back in, and we will take your phone calls. Please no, please no phone calls during the interview with Rich Hollenberg. But going back, you know, today in Tampa Bay, you know, terrible, terrible situation, I understand, down there with um, all the coronaviruses popping up like weeds down there. I think they had like 9,000 cases in one day. Just an incredible amount of uh, uh, viruses uh, and people being infected with the illness. Um, and hopefully everybody's wearing their mask down there. Please be safe. We're wishing everybody the best in the state of Florida. Um, but, you know, it came out today, the NFLPA, and you guys know when I get pissed off, I sometimes get overexcited, and I'm about to again. Okay? This bullcrap with the NFLPA coming out saying this, I'm going to read this. It's, it says that they're not ha happy with Tom Brady's unsolicited practices with the players on his team. They, I quote, they said, it's not in the best interest of player safety. What are you talking about? 
player safety. First of all, these guys are on a field by themselves practicing. You know, it's the people that aren't wearing masks in the state of Florida and all these other states that are the issue, not Tom Brady's. It's okay, you know, for Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott to go ahead and have a party, but it's not okay for Tom Brady to take 10 guys on the football field and start working out. That is bull crap, NFLPA. Some reason you guys like nothing better than to do than to go ahead and throw Tom Brady continually under the bus. And all he's been for the last 20 years is a great, great, great player and a great, great player for the league. So let's cut this bull crap out. Tom Brady is not the issue with coronavirus. Okay, he's practices on a field. He does not have coronavirus as far as we know. Um, those players are going to be tested. They're not going around other people. Okay, so let's get this straight. You can walk into a Walmart where there's hundreds of people, half of them not wearing masks in the state of Florida, but it's not okay for Tom Brady to throw a football to Rob Gronkowski on a practice field. That is bullcrap. Let's cut the bullcrap out now before it gets started, okay? Tom Brady is an adult. Tom Brady knows what he's doing, okay? Everybody in the state of Florida probably should be wearing masks right now. But, you know, that is just something that is just outrageous to me how they can single out this guy playing football when there's so many other people not doing what they need to do all around the United States for coronavirus. Now, I'm not an expert, and we're not going to get on this topic but of coronavirus, but I just wanted to get my two cents um, in there. And I understand one of our listeners in the Wesley Chapel, Florida area, just told me, named Michelle, has said that it is now a mask mandate uh, for inside as well. Okay, okay, so I guess I know all the bars have closed down there as of today. Um, you know, they're not allowed to serve alcohol anyway. But as far as we got about 10 minutes, if you just join us before the great Rich Hollenberg from uh, Fox Sports covers the Tampa Bay Rays. He also does college basketball as a play-by-play -play commentator, and he also works for the NFL uh, Network. Man, this guy has lots of jobs. Now, the NBA will be returning the first games back for the NBA. Players are starting to um, go to Florida now, to report to Florida. The maximum games per day, listen to this, they're going to be playing seven games a day at the NBA. The first game is going to be... Uh, July 31st, and we even have the schedule for that, which we'll go off in a minute, but the tip-offs are going to be between 12 noon and 7 p.m. I guess that's the only way they can go ahead and get, you know, all these games played in the amount of time that's allocated. Uh, the only problem that's really terrible about that is there's a lot of people that aren't going to get to watch those games because they're working. So... That part doesn't make complete sense to me. I understand why, but from a financial standpoint, if you're trying to get advertisers to advertise for you, I just don't understand why you would start at noon during a week. But I guess it's got to be done. Um, they got three total courts at Disney, and they're going to use two other basketball courts for national TV. 
So I guess every day there's going to be two nationally televised NBA games. For you NBA fans, and I know we got a lot of Magic fans um, on this channel, the schedule for the six games on July 31st are as follows. It starts off with your very own Orlando Magic versus the Brooklyn Nets. That'll be 2.30 p.m. on July 31st. So the Magic open up versus the Brooklyn Nets. Then you got the Grizzly versus the Blazers, the Suns versus the Wizards, the Celtics versus the unbelievable Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the Kings versus the Spurs, and then the Rockets versus the Mavericks. I guess the Battle of Texas there in Orlando. Um, so that is the six games. The NBA is starting back up. Players are starting to report. Uh, we haven't heard about which players yet have decided not to and which ones are. But we will get that information more and more as time comes. So the NBA, July 31st. And what a coincidence because baseball starts back July 23rd and 24th. What they're going to do with baseball, and we'll get into that now before Rich Hollenberg gets on, the 23rd they're going to cover two nationally televised games. They're going to pick whatever two games they want. The schedule will be out. They know who they're playing, but they don't know the days and the times. That'll be out in the next 10 to 14 days. So for those of you Rays fans that are looking to get hold of the baseball schedule, it's still not out. It'll take about another 10 days maybe 14 days before they publicize that and let us know the exact times and dates. Now, so the two games then and on the 23rd, then the rest of the teams will be playing on the 24th. So opening day, Major League Baseball, the 23rd and 24th, NBA, July 31st. So a very busy, busy month of July at a time where usually not a lot going on in sports. Then you got football camp opening up. That's right. So, you know, we got the NFL, we got the NBA, we got uh, Major League Baseball, and hopefully we'll find out soon as NHL tries to ramp up to go into their next phase. Now, we got about four minutes left before Rich Hollenberg, and, you know, it's going to be 60 games in 66 season. And those of you who want to know, you know, just statistics, and statistics don't always tell everything. But last year, if you're a Tampa Bay Rays fan, in the first 60 games of the year, the Rays went 37-23. and 37-23. At that time, after 60 games, they were one and a half games behind the New York Yankees in the division. So they started off the first 60 games well. Now, if you want to look at the other side of it, in 2018, they didn't fare as well. They were 28 and 32, but they finished 90 and 72 overall. So it just goes to show you that there's not going to be a lot of opportunity this year to go into slumps. The teams that play great, consistent baseball and are streaking along are going to be the ones that farewell. Now, it did come up, and we'll talk a little bit with Rich about this, that there is a trade deadline still. You know how in baseball, usually it's July 31st, teams that are out of it have no longer a chance. They get rid of their high-paid players so they can build for the future. 
Well, it isn't going to be July 31st this year. It's going to be August 31st. So August 34th is the trade deadline. And, you know, it's going to be kind of weird because you're going to have teams who have only played 30 games now that have to make a decision actually before the 30th game, somewhere in between game 20 and 30, whether they're playing for playoffs or whether they're giving up till next year. So it's going to really, really, really be tough for, um, you know, these teams to make these tough decisions with only a month of baseball underway. And then they, any player that wants to be eligible for the postseason, the playoffs, has to be with that team making the playoffs by September 15th. Usually that's the 1st of September. They're extending that to September 15th. So if the Rays make a trade, let's just say, and pick up a player, as long as that player is on the team by September 15th, they will be eligible to play in the playoffs. And, you know, I'm really excited to get Rich on in the next couple of minutes because, um, you know, there is a lot of stuff to talk about these Tampa Bay Rays. The only thing that I'm confused about, I heard that Mayor Jane Caster down in Tampa said that she thinks it's going to be okay for fans to be at Tropicana Field, but then you hear all of these cases popping up about coronavirus, but she somehow thinks that they're going to figure out a way, and I, you know, we can only hope that, you know, it curves down. But remember, just because it's 9,000 cases today, and let's say there's another 8,000 tomorrow, that doesn't mean it's really getting better. That's still 8,000 cases. So we can only hope for the best. Hopefully everybody, you know, gets cured and, you know, nothing drastic happens. Um, but that's the way Jane Caster says. There will be fans at Tropicana Field. So we'll find out about that. Let us go ahead and get the great Rich Hollenberg on the line right now. that 
everyone stays safe and that everyone keeps their head on straight and uh, does the, you know, the logical things, the smart things, the, the basic things to uh, keep it that way and to not let it get any worse, let alone hoping that it gets better, um, not the least of which reason is so that we can have not only a baseball season but an NBA season that's hopefully right around the corner too, and then you turn the corner and we're into the fall and, and hoping and praying that football's with us also. But I am, I am super pumped. Uh, I was just telling someone the other day, Larry, that I, I feel like that first game back is going to have the sensation, the butterflies for me, like a playoff game would. That There's going to be that much juice and that much anticipation for me. Obviously, there's not going to be fans in the building, so you won't have that kind of a, of a, a, a visceral buzz to the, to the proceedings. But inside, as I'm preparing, when I hear the countdown, 5-4-3 from my producer, and the red light goes on that camera, and I start our first Rays Live pregame show, I have a good feeling that it's going to feel like playoff-type baseball for me. And, you know, I think we're all looking forward. I mean, we've been waiting for this day. Unfortunately, the epidemic came around. We understand why, of course, we haven't had baseball. But let me ask you this. You're a guy that works all year round. I mean, I know what, you know, baseball finishes up. You know, you do reporting for the NFL. You do college basketball. I mean, this last couple months have to be very strange, especially to you, the guy who's usually... Busy, 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 and now for the last, uh, you know, three, four months, you have had nothing to do. Sure, Larry. I, I mean, I, in some ways, I always joke. Uh, so uh, just a slight uh, correction. I, I worked for Past Tense, the NFL Network. I actually, a few years ago, had to step aside from that because the only time I was able to really commit to them was the month of October. I would finish up baseball at the end of September. I'd have October free, and then starting beginning of November, I'm ramping up in college basketball for ESPN. And I have three young children. There, uh, two of them are teenagers. One's on the cusp of becoming a teenager. And uh, I always joke that October is the month that I reintroduce myself <laughs> to my family. Now you flip that script entirely, and over the last three and a half months, you know, we've had to learn social distancing from ourselves, let alone from everyone else in our community, because, you know, they're not used to me being around all the time, and certainly I'm not used to being around all the time. So it's a learning process, but, you know, trying to make the most of it like everybody is, trying to teach the kids some, some life skills, get in the kitchen with them a little bit, do some hands-on training, uh, things like that. And uh, I certainly, you know, in that respect, wouldn't change it or trade it for anything, although, you know, if I could snap my fingers and everything could be back to normal, I think just about anybody would choose that. Right, absolutely. Now, Rich, have they told you whether, because I know everything, I mean, they still haven't even come out with the exact, with the exact schedule. Are you still there, my friend? I am. Okay. Yeah. Um, they haven't come out with the exact schedule yet, but... Have they told you whether you guys are going to do the pregame show at Tropicana when the home games are home, or are they going to make you do it virtual? Well, I believe, and uh, this is public knowledge from a while ago, and obviously I'm sure it's the same with you, Larry, like a week's time feels like a month's time. Uh, so it, it was somewhere in the realm of three to four weeks ago that MLB announced that uh, kind of across the board for all 30 teams, 
there would be some form of standard of televising all of these games. And the standard that I understand is still in place is home teams are playing in their home stadiums, and the TV productions for those games in the home stadiums, uh, obviously they would be 15 home stadiums a night, times two is 30 teams total. Uh, out of those 15 home stadiums, the road teams would basically share the production with the home team uh, truck. So when I'm home, when the Rays are home inside Tropicana Field, we'll be functioning as close to what we used to be in normal times uh, for our pre- and post-game and from the play-by-play standpoint. Now, when the teams go on the road, like I said, when the Rays go and play the Marlins or the Phillies or the New York Mets or the Braves, obviously because they're playing the NL East, and the AL East, and you can include all the American League East teams in this conversation as well, for sure, when they go to their road opponents, we would stay at Tropicana Field and basically treat that as our production facility because the truck is already there. We've already you know, taken whatever precautions we could inside that area. So I think going forward, unless something changes and things are obviously you know, apt to change on a moment's notice with still four weeks to go before the proposed opening day. My, my understanding is that home games and road games will all be broadcasting from Tropicana Field. Now let me ask you this. I watch you on the show, and I know you love doing the uh, Tampa Bay Rays pregame and postgame show, and you work with my good buddy, a guy that I've known since I did some time with the Yankees in 87, Orestes Destrade. How fun is he to have on the show? Uh, he, we, we joke, we, you know, he's my brother from another mother. Uh, we've, we've been working together now for seven years, but it feels like we're an old married couple who's been married for 70 years. And uh, he, he's a terrific guy. He's not only has a wealth of baseball knowledge, obviously, but he's got the charisma and the personality that takes it even that much further over the top. Um, you know, it, it, it's great to have a conversation with him about anything because you can rarely get him to stop talking. But when it comes down to nuts and bolts about hitting, it is grab a notebook and take notes because he is on a savant level when it comes to breaking down different hitters' approaches and strategies for hitting certain pitchers and this and that, uh, working with him and working with Doug Wechter for the last few seasons, for that matter, it, it's like an education. It's like I'm going to school every day or every night uh, before and after a Rays game. So as a diehard baseball fan and a diehard sports fan myself, who never got to that level of athletics, uh, I, it's, a, it's a joy for me to, to work with both of them, you know, game in and game out. And I, I, I can't wait to get back at it again. We are talking to Rich Hollenberg, uh, Fox Studio host for the Tampa Bay Rays. Let me ask you this. One of the rules that are going to be implemented during this strange season we're about to occur, um, as long as it's baseball, I'm glad, but I don't like this one rule, and I wanted to get your thoughts on someone who knows the game very well, this extra inning rule where runners starts on second base. Well, you know, I'm kind of split. Uh, on it right now, but I will say this. If you force me to say are you in favor or not in favor, I'm in favor, Larry, and I'll tell you why. This is the time to experiment with rules if you're baseball. 
I, I don't care what it is. I don't care if you say a home run is worth two runs instead of one run. I, it, it doesn't matter to me in a 60-game season like this, even though I'm sitting here telling every baseball fan who might have doubts, this is going to count. Like, a generation from now, people are going to be talking about the 2020 World Series champion. They're not going to talk about an asterisk. I, I grew up a Yankees fan. I grew up in, in northern New Jersey. I was a stone's throw from Yankee Stadium. I was a Yankee fan until I moved down to the Tampa Bay area 25 years ago. And I still remember going to the 1981 World Series when they lost to the Dodgers. I don't think about it as the strike-shortened season of 1981. It was just the Yankees made it to the World Series again. And I think that generations forward, they'll feel the same way about this season uh, and, and won't really dwell too much on the fact that it was 60 games. So with that said, I, I welcome any experimentation with the rules. And here's the other reason, Larry. You have to keep in mind that minor league baseball has had that rule in place for the last two years. So there's a fair number of games there across the board where you can use it as a sample size. And the sample size says after one extra inning, after that 10th inning of play, the game ended 73% of the time in the 10th inning. If you go to two extra innings, the game ended 93% of the time. I don't know about you, but even though it's only 60 games this year, I could go without 17 and 18 inning games in a baseball season. Give me a good 10 or 11 or maybe a 12 inning game, and I'm good to go. Sign me up for a beer afterwards and a good night's sleep. I don't want to be in the studio or at the field until 3 o'clock in the morning talking about the game when everyone else is asleep. So this is one that if I'm forced to choose yay or nay, I'm going to say yay. If it shortens the game and makes it more palatable and hopefully a little more exciting for baseball fans and a little more pressure-packed, I'm all for it. And you got to remember that playing 60 games in 66 days, so, you know, the fatigue fact and everything involved, they got to play again the next day. So I do understand why they're doing it. But let me ask you about spring training now. We call it spring training 2.0, I guess. There's not right. going to be, I think they're allowing the teams to maybe play three exhibition games later on in the spring training before the season geographically close. I mean, what is it going to do? You think these guys will be ready to play in baseball game shape by the time the season starts? I, you know what? I, I doubt it, to be honest with you. But whatever shape they're in and however ready they feel compared to the muscle memory of spring training's past and preparing for a full 162, it's a level playing field. Everyone's dealing with that. So if they made the rule that, you know, the Rays have to play with one arm tied behind their back, every other one of the 29 teams in Major League Baseball has to follow that rule too. So it levels the playing field, no matter what the rules or the circumstances are. So I don't necessarily mind that much. Plus, you do keep in, in mind that they had a couple of weeks of spring training, and all of these guys have done something, you would hope, to stay right. in as top form as they possibly can, even though they're not in true baseball shape, even though they're not training, working out, rehabbing, whatever it is, with their team trainers. I think the teams that will end up successful after this 60-game season and in the playoffs are A, the teams who would have been successful if they played a full 162, and then the, the, the wild card or the caveat to that is going to be 
the team who has the roster of players who best took care of themselves during this three-month layoff. So if and, and from what I know from the players I've spoken to and the people who are around this team, being the Tampa Bay Rays, I know virtually everyone that I've heard from and spoken to and talked about has been chomping at the bit to get back on the field and to get back to real baseball. So they've done everything in their power to stay in peak condition coming out of that abbreviated spring training and going into an abbreviated season. I spoke to Kevin Kiermeyer just the other day, and I said, describe for me in one word what everyone is feeling right now. And it wasn't cautious. It wasn't optimistic. His word was ecstatic. He cannot wait to get back to playing meaningful baseball, Larry. And, you know, let's go ahead and talk about the Rays. I mean, here's a team that has a lot of depth. I mean, they added, they added Martinez. They added Renfro. Of course, Yoshi from Japan. Margot Manuel, just to name a few. And they have a lot of depth in the infield, in the outfield. I mean, in a shortened season where an epidemic is obviously going on, and you never know. I mean, people could be asymptomatic and get this illness. We just don't know enough about it. Depth does play an important part, especially if somebody does contract this virus, because then they're out 10 to 14 days. Yeah, and I, I think that's another example of how this shortened season could play to the Rays' advantage. Um, you know, you, you obviously wouldn't wish this occurrence on anybody or any society, but now that you're dealing with this reality, now everyone's turning their attention to, well, who could benefit the most from a shortened season? And virtually all the pundits, all the experts out there across the country in baseball are saying the Rays are one of, if not the top team, who will benefit from that. I've been saying that since they shut it down toward the end of March, and I'll tell you why. The Rays, for the last couple of years, Larry, have utilized their 40-man roster better than any team in baseball. It's probably the number one reason why they've been so successful and been a 90-win team the last two years, right? 96 last year, I think they won 91 total the year before. This is a team that is built on depth. So that factor, the ability to have to be deft with your juggling of a roster and an expanded roster now this year, is playing to the strength of Kevin Cash and Eric Neander and the coaching staff because they've, they're they used to that. It's not something that they have to get used to. It's something that they've been doing and actually will be able to do easier this year than they have in years past. Usually it's they got to go on, you know, call up that Durham shuttle, get it fired up, and bring Nate Lowe up or, you know, you name whoever they've brought up through the years. Last year they set the major league record for most players – who have taken up a roster spot in Major League Baseball in one season. The Rays are used to that. Then you factor in the fact that, and I asked Kevin Cash this the other day, I said, what is the biggest advantage for you in this 60-game season? And he didn't mention the depth. He said, it always comes back to talent. You can have as much depth as you want, but if it's four-star depth versus five-star talent, the talent's going to win out. We came into this season feeling like we had a really good team, and we just needed to figure out the depth part of it. Now they've had some more time to figure out that depth part of it and how it's going to play out in a shortened season, and they're pretty confident, and you touched on some of the new names, uh, they're pretty confident that they have the type of talent to marry with that depth 
to make a legitimate run at a World Series this year. We are talking to Rich Hollenberg, Fox Studio host for the Tampa Bay Rays. And you talk about talent, Rich. I mean, it's, you know, they only use, what, four or five starting pitches, but they may have the best, and I, I laugh when I say it this way, starting six in all of the major leagues. You got Snell, Glass now, Morton, Chirinos, Yarbrough, and let's not forget Brandon McKay. I mean, this is an unbelievable starting pitching staff, isn't it? Yeah, potentially. Uh, and I always like to use that word uh, in advance because you never know what's going to happen with injuries. But again, that was a benefit for the Rays, right? Blake Snell had that cortisone injection. Uh, Brandon McKay had a little bit of a shoulder issue. Now those two guys have been able to rest and get healthy. So they're back at 100%. That's not to say that other teams had injury problems and those problems have been solved, so to speak, because of the time off, because every team has that. If the Rays stay healthy and if the Rays staff pitches to that potential, I think they have the best staff not only in the American League but in all of baseball. And this is where it's going to be really fun to watch how Kevin Cash and his pitching coach Kyle Snyder manage that staff. Because not only could they have the best starting staff in baseball, believe it or not, even though they lost Emilio Pagan, who was maybe their best reliever, you know, pound for pound last year, they might have overall a better bullpen this year than they did last year. And that's because Nick Anderson is back. You've got a guy like Pete Fairbanks who just got a cup of coffee, basically, with the Rays before the season ended, but they're really high on him. You have to believe that Jose Alvarado is going to have a much better year this year than he did last year. And then the continued maturation of Diego Castillo. Those are fireballers up and down. And then you have someone like Chaz Rowe with that Frisbee slider. This is a, this is a pitching staff that is poised to really do some damage and cause a ton of frustration throughout the teams that they're going to play in this 60-game season. So when you look at this roster, we obviously talked about the pitching staff and, you know, how great it is and or potentially how great it could be. What are your concerns about this team um, for this year? Well, it's similar to any other year. If we were having this conversation five years ago or six years ago or two years ago, uh, I think the Rays' margin of error is a little bit thinner than most teams. And that's really the only time that I would talk about economics. Because their, their uh, payroll is always so low, if not the lowest, which it traditionally is, they need their players to play at their optimal best and stay at their optimal healthiest for them to have a chance to compete with the major spenders in baseball the New York Yankees, the Houston Astros, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the list goes on and on. If the Rays can do that, then I think they can compete with all of those teams. But that's a big if. You know, it was just like a few years ago when Evan Longoria was still the face of the franchise and the star of the team. It was always, oh, you know what? If Longo stays healthy, he's an all-star. Well, he had trouble staying healthy, like a lot of players do. Uh, I think you can extrapolate that the whole team. If Brandon Lau stays healthy this year, he's probably going to play at an all-star caliber level, right? If Mike Zanino snaps out of the funk that he was in all of last year, he's got a chance to be an all-star because his defense is 
plus-plus defense. We've seen in the past that he's got 20 to 25-plus power, but we didn't see that last year. And you have to believe that someone like Mike Zanino is not going to hit a buck 62 like he did for much of last year. So you expect, you know, the, the regression to the mean, if you will, Larry. You expect the guys who really look like they peaked out last year. Nick Anderson comes to mind as someone who you probably can't expect Nick Anderson to pitch much better than he did when he came over from the Marlins and put on a Rays uniform. But if he's only a tick below what he was last year, the Rays would take that all day and every day and twice on Sundays. So you expect him to come down just a little bit. But if the players who were a little disappointing and struggled a little last year, like Jose Alvarado, like Mike Zanino, then all of a sudden you're talking about a team that is not only talented one through nine along with the pitching staff, but also talented in the depth area as well. You talk about catchers, Mikey Perez had his season cut short. Now he's back and healthy. And I think if he plays up to what the Rays think he could be, he could be one of the best backup catchers in the American League. So I I think the what-ifs are always the biggest challenge for the Rays because they need to be on the right side of that razor's edge all season long. And, you know, they have a habit of being on that correct side. If you look back last year, you know, people with careers, the Avicel Garcia's, uh, Yandy Diaz, Travis Dionode. I mean, not that two of them aren't here anymore, but they get these plays. They have a way of getting these plays, and then Kevin Cash gets the most out of them um, for the time that he does have them. Yeah, you know what, Larry? You look up and down this roster, and the makeup of the roster uh, might change with names and numbers, but the mentality of the roster has remained consistent throughout Kevin Cash's tenure. And the biggest thing is everyone plays with a chip on their shoulder. Everyone in that roster, the veterans who have proven themselves already, the youngsters who are trying to get you know playing time and, and accrue that veteran status in the major leagues because they haven't yet. Everyone has a reason to feel like they have something to prove. And the Rays have cultivated that. That's become an integral part of the Rays' way of doing things. That's who Eric Neander goes out and looks for and searches for in free agency and in the draft. It's, it's almost like, in, a, in some small way, Larry, it's almost like you know watching The Last Dance on ESPN, the 10-part series with Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and how one of the things that everybody remarked on after watching that was, man, Michael Jordan found every excuse and reason in the book to feel like he was being slighted somehow. And this is the best player on the planet that we're talking about. But that's the way the Rays operate. They have guys in that clubhouse who feel like they have something to prove. And it might just be the fact that they put on the Rays uniform and immediately feel like underdogs because they're in the same division as two of the highest spending teams in baseball in the Red Sox and the Yankees. So it, it is a tremendous joy to watch these guys take the field. And no matter how many millions of dollars they're making, or maybe they're just trying to make a name for themselves, they all play with that fire in their belly. And that's what I think a lot of their success is attributable to. Now, a couple qu- questions left before we let you run, Rich. Um, the trade deadline, it's going to be weird this year. They decided to go ahead and still have it. But now instead of July 31st, it's going to be August 31st. Now, usually you and I both know the trade deadline is a time where, you know, teams that aren't in it 
you know, decide whether to be buyers or sellers or, you know, and this. It's going to be a strange situation. You're not going to even have 30 games done yet in the season, and we're already talking a trade deadline. Yeah, it will be strange, and, uh, you know, I've read a couple articles about that, and I, I, I would agree with some of the guys I've read that I, I have a feeling that you're not going to see a ton of movement. There might be some big-ticket guys who are coming up on free agency who teams want to unload and might do so at a, a bargain basement type of a scenario. And if that's the case, then, yeah, there are going to be teams that bite on that. But with the unknown quantities of potential continuations of labor strife coming in the near future because the, the collective bargaining agreement ends after next season, I, I think you're going to tend to see more teams stay put and sit it out through this trade deadline than maybe in traditional years past. And the Rays have kind of gone both ways, right? A couple of times they've struck gold and been one of the most active teams. And a couple other times in recent memory, you see them really not make a lot of moves at all. And when they do make the moves, you kind of scratch your head and you're like, that's what they did? And then those guys that they traded for turn around and end up being huge, huge additions to the team. Nick Anderson comes to mind to mention him one more time. But I go back to a couple years ago when they got Tommy Pham and then the following season, which was last year, talking to Eric Neander, and I said to him, you know, so you got Tommy Pham two years ago. What are you going to do this year? He goes, we got Tommy Pham two years ago for this year. So the guys in the clubhouse know that we did everything in our power to set them up to succeed this year. It wasn't about last year getting Tommy Pham. It was about this year. And you know what? That conversation happened I, I want to say it was probably in May or June, and that proved prophetic because what happened? The Rays took the Houston Astros to the brink of elimination in the division series last year. So they, you know, kind of backed up what Eric Neander was telling me, which was sometimes they make moves with a little bit more of a long view in play, even if those moves are being made at the trade deadline. All right, we'll put you on the spot as we let you go. I hate, I, I'm not a big prediction guy, so let me ask you it this way. In your opinion, how does this team fare this year when the season starts? I think uh, the cause for optimism is absolutely sky high. It's 60 or 162, it doesn't matter. I think the cream will rise to the top, pardon the cliche. And I thought going into this year that the Rays had a legitimate shot to not only make the playoffs, but to win the American League East. And I think that would be, I think home field advantage is going to be a little bit uh, overrated this year because chances are more than likely that there won't be fans in the stand. But with that said, I think stadium-wise, the Rays still have a better home field advantage than other teams do. So uh, in terms of how the Rays are going to fare, and I, I appreciate you not asking for a number because I, I'm not a big fan of giving out wins and losses at this early stage of the season, but I, I would not be surprised to see the Tampa Bay Rays representing the American League in the World Series this year. All right, you are Rich. I want to thank you so very much for joining us on Frankly Speaking Sports tonight. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Frankly, it was a joy, Frank. All right. You have a great night. Take care, Larry. All right. Be safe.
That was Rich Hollenberg, the great Fox Studio host of the Tampa Bay Rays. Man, lots and lots of stuff there. And I'll tell you what, he's fired up. I'm fired up for just a great, great season. And we got about uh, 14 minutes left in our show. If you want to get involved, give us a call. Talk some Rays uh, baseball. Leave a message right in the comment section. Or give us a quick call. The number here, the hotline number is out there. It's 479 553 7008. Once again, 479 553 7008. You can call us. We can talk some Rays baseball. Tell us what you think. Tell us how excited you are about the upcoming year. And you know, you look at this pitching staff, it led the league in ERA last year in the American League. And you know, Rich is absolutely correct. We talked about the starting pitching, but when you look, if Alvarado, you know, and that's a big if, if Alvarado and Castillo can get back to their forms, they struggled a lot last year, this bullpen's going to be incredible. You got Nick Anderson, you got Fairbanks, um, don't forget Oliver Drake, Jalen Beeks, I mean, we didn't even mention, Poche and Kittredge. I mean, we are so deep in depth on this team. It is just incredible. I mean, we possibly have, possibly have, and arguably have the best pitching staff in Major League Baseball. I mean, we really do. And I think, uh, you know, you know, it scares me a little bit, a 60-game schedule. And I know Rich says, you know, the cream will come to the top. And I hope he's right. I really do. I believe he's right. But, you know, a 60-game season, you just never, ever know it. You know, and I hope, and I would be disappointed, and Rich made a great point. I hope these guys, and I don't think they were, were not during this time off, unfortunate time off, were just playing around and not staying in shape. I mean, I would hope that all of them were constantly throwing Constantly taking swings and doing the things to get ready to play baseball. They had no idea, no clue when this season was going to start, like none of us did. But, you know, like Rich said, it's going to be the teams that stayed in the best shape. You know, the most important time could have been the last three months when nobody was playing baseball may dictate who wins when they are playing baseball. And just a great, great, great point by Rich. Uh, always has great points, but just on that subject, because, you know, they're not going to be playing games during this spring training 2.0. They're going to be playing intra-squad games against their own team. And, you know, yes, they're playing games, but it's not the same. The players will tell you it's not the same. The intensity is not the same. And, you know, hopefully Kevin Cash, which I'm sure he will, he always finds innovative ways to keep the team up, but this team needs to be ready game one. Game one, out of the gate, they're probably going to be playing American League East team, we know that, so they got to be ready. They're in the toughest division in baseball, and their inter-league schedule is just one of the t now toughest NL East, uh, and National League divisions, the NL East, with the Mets, who are much better. The Phillies, everybody knows about them. Now they got Girardi as their manager to go along with Bryce Hopper, the player. Um, then you got the Nationals, and then you got the Marlins, who, 
you know, they're not they're gonna be a scrappy little team too. So let's not take things for granted. I think our big question is the catching position. And I'm gonna come out and say it on a limb. And I want everybody to remember on this date, uh it is June 26th at 8.48 p.m. Mark that down. 8.48 p.m. 6.26.2020. I think Mike Zanino goes off this year. He's going to have an incredible year. He's going to be ready. I think he had a lot of things on his mind. He you know, came to a new team last year. He had a baby last year. Just a lot of things going on in the brain last year, I think Mike Zanino gets back to his all-star caliber catching. And not just on a defensive side, but also on an offensive side. And I'm not going to give you numbers. It's hard to predict what is he going to do in a 60-game season. So much easier to say in 162 games, hey, he might you know, knock out 20 to 25 homers. But, you know, these numbers now in a 60-game season – is a little bit more difficult to uh, go ahead and give estimates. But I'm telling you, Zanino could be the Travis Darno of last year for us. And I really, really think, I know he has the potential. I saw him play when he was Seattle. He was incredible. And I think you're going to see this guy really break out in these 60 games that we play this year. Then if you go around the infield, we got a great infield. We got Yandy Diaz. You got Adamas. I mean, who knows who plays second base? You got Brandon Lau. You got Joey Wendell. I mean, just to name a few. Daniel Robinson. And then you got, what, G-Man Choi at first base. You also got, what, Yoshi now. You got Renfro. You're talking about some power here, guys. And, you know, anytime you have a team that adds a guy like Renfro, adds a guy like Yoshi, you have an Austin Meadow. You got a Brandon Lau. Those guys like Zanino are going to hit better because they're going to see better pitches. So, you know, Willie Adamas went off the second half of the season last year. We all know what Yandy Diaz, you know, can do. You know, I know you're all thinking, wow, a lot of scrappy hitters, Kevin Kiermaier. I'm telling you what, we got a lot more power on this team than people are giving us credit for. And the great thing about this team is, in the days that maybe they're not clicking offensively, we have a good enough pitching staff and a good enough bullpen where we can hopefully win those 2-1, to 3-2 to ball games. So, just a great, great year. I mean, you know, we're looking forward to it. A lot and a lot and a lot of high expectations for the Rays. Guys, we got about uh, six, seven minutes left in the show. If you want me to answer any questions, the phone line is open. Give us a quick call in the last seven minutes. Give a quick message. I see quite a number of people still on. Just type a quick message. Hey, Larry, what do you think of this? Larry, what do you think of that? What do you think the Rays will do? Whatever you want to talk about um, in regards to sports, I have no issues talking about it these last six, seven minutes of our show. I'm opening it up to you. I'm opening it up to the fans. So let me know what you want us to talk about. Um, one of the questions did come up about fans in the stands. You know, it's a tough one. 
It, it really is a tough one. You know, you see everything going on in the Florida area now, and I don't know the breakdown from Tampa to Miami to uh, Gainesville to all these different cities, but I do know there was 9,000 positive cases today in the state of Florida, which is an unbelievable amount, and Jane Cast is still talking about possibly allowing fans in the stadium. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not saying it can't be done. I just don't see it being... It, it's highly unlikely when you have this many cases. I'm sorry. Now, in other parts of the country, once again, it's up to the local authorities. We talked about this when we talked about the NFL yesterday in the last couple of days when we talked about the Bucks and Raymond James Stadium. You know, as far as baseball goes, you know, it could be up to the local authorities to decide in which stadiums, in which cities, in which states fans are allowed. Once again, if you're asking me from a Rays perspective, based on today's statistics there in Florida, based on the statistics, I don't see either the Marlins or the Rays having fans to start out the season. Unless there is a dramatic change and decrease in cases of COVID-19 in that state. We can hope for that. You know, we, that's our goal. Let's, okay, let's get these high numbers over with. Let's start going downward so, you know, people can live their regular life that they're accustomed to living. So we'll find out about that. Once again, leave a comment. Give us a quick call on the Frankly Speaking Sports Hotline. Love to have you on for a minute to talk some baseball. Um, we did talk about earlier today the NBA. The NBA is back on July 31st. So those of you sports fans that are really excited, well, get excited because the month of July and the month of August is going to be incredible. Now, listen to this. Football camps open up. They're planning on opening up as scheduled. Major League Baseball is back July 1st in the they're doing spring training 2.0. Games start the 23rd and 24th. Two games on the 23rd, nationally televised. The rest of the teams play on the 24th. Then the NBA starts July 31st with six games. That's right. Six games on July 31st, when I believe the first game, the matinee game, might be uh, the New Jersey Nets versus the Orlando Magic. So all you Magic fans, your first game coming back is versus, well, I not the New Jersey Nets anymore, they're the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so we play the Brooklyn Nets on July 31st. And it's a 2.30 p.m. game. So we even got the time. We know it's in Orlando. Um, as of now, no fans um, in Orlando. And I understand why. Uh, but the NBA is back with the Magic opening it up versus the Brooklyn Nets at 2.30 on July 31st. Um, you know, before we go, this extra inning rule, and I know we talked with Rich, we talked about it earlier. Rich, you know, obviously likes it because, you know, of a couple of different reasons he gave. And he talked about it. He does, you know, doesn't want a game going 16, 17 innings. I understand that. These guys got to stay at the entire game till it's over, then do a post-game show. So I do understand that, but I don't like it. I don't as a fan. 
I don't mind a 17, 18, 19 inning in a ball game. Now, I don't go to a ball game saying I hope it's extra innings, but at the end of the day, if it is extra innings, let's play the game the same way we played the game the first nine innings of the game. And it's almost like the NFL. I'm not a big fan of ties in the NFL. I never have been. I think you should play football till the game's over. You know, if you don't win in the first overtime, you go to the second overtime. I mean, I can think a lot better ways than doing a tie. I, you know, I even came up with the idea you do a, you know, it's almost like a shootout in hockey where you have two field goal kickers, you know, kick field goals till one misses. Anything but a tie. And baseball, I, I'm sorry, I just don't like it. I think it takes... You know, you're putting a guy on second. It's a free ride for somebody. Um, like I said, you bunt them over to third, you score. And like he said, people are winning the games in the high percentages in either the 10th or 11th inning. And, you know, baseball is meant to show off the ability of the player. It doesn't show off the ability of a player when you start throwing guys on second base. And I know they've done it in the minor leagues. I'm, I'm just not a fan of it. Nothing against those are, just like I'm not a fan of the DH. There's other people that are a fan of a DH. I think your managers in the National League have to do a heck of a lot more strategic planning throughout the game of baseball because your pitcher is hitting. Whether you allow the pitcher to stay in the game, whether you hit for him uh, because uh, he's now up at bat, just a lot going on. But just my opinion, I want to get my two cents want to remind you all that this Monday, we'll be back at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we have plenty of guests lined up. We're not going to go over the guests. We'll announce them over the weekend. All the different guests that we do have lined up for next week. Uh, I want to thank everybody so very much for joining us tonight. Have a great and please be safe. Have a safe weekend. And we'll see you Monday night on another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. Good night.